Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. That Sunny came home probably felt queer to you because right at the beginning she goes, she opened a book and a box of tools. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all Welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's all that in a bag of gay chips. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer, host, and podcaster Dana Pickley about the gay 90s. Sweet. <laughs> Booyah! As if, Carolyn. Do we have any announcements? Well, if you want ad-free episodes, you can sign up for the $15 a month tier on our Patreon at patreon.com slash out or at $10 a month to join our incredible patron-only Facebook group that I love so much. You can also sign up at $5 a month if you want to support the pod and get some extra content, and we will be trying hard to get more of that extra content. There's just so much content we're putting out lately, and that's because we're on the Stereo app, and you'll hear more about that later. But if you do want to support the pod without spending money, you can support us by using the link in our show notes to get on Stereo, where we are broadcasting live three times a week outside of the pod. And if you haven't already, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help others find us. It's just a really quick and easy and free way to support the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. Carolyn, how are you? I I am okay. I don't know. Everything is so crazy. And, you know, now isn't the time for any more additional big changes in my life. But wouldn't you know, my wife, who I love and would do anything for, wanted a hamster so bad. And she couldn't wait until all of our house projects were done, which they'll never be done. So I get it. And we got a hamster. That's a gay pet, I feel. Yeah? Yeah, that feels, oh, it's queer. Well, what's queer about it is that immediately uh, she got it like this little rainbow chew toy. And <laughs> she also named her uh, Ophelia Sparkles Bergier. Uh, sparkles because it makes her heart sparkle. That's very gay. Um, and... <laughs> And very Cecilia. Oh, right. It's not the hamster that's so gay. It's your wife. Yeah. It's my wife projecting her gayness onto the hamster. Though I will say the other gay thing was that we got a, a habitat for her and we got it from a PetSmart. And then Cecilia, who had told me that she researched everything ahead of time, Mm-mm. was then like, this isn't big enough. And I'm like... Yeah, I thought you knew. Why'd you buy it then? You said you did all the research and everything. So we went and we bought this like 40-gallon terrarium tank. And this hamster is living like a queen. (laughs) There is just so much space in there. And the person at the store was like, what's this for? And we're like, a hamster. 
And she's like, well, that's kind of big for a hamster. I guess she'll be happy. I'm like, well, yeah, that's what we want. You know, giving animals an appropriate habitat, that's gay. Yeah, that's gay. And your hamster's living probably better than I am at this point. Way more room to run around than I have in my tiny apartment. I'm honestly jealous. (laughs) You need a wheel. You need a hamster wheel. I do need a wheel. I need a wheel. I get jealous when I see the hamster just running like the wind. I'm like, I wish I could do that. (laughs) We are actually considering getting one for the cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't. Our cat is apparently overweight. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them all over TikTok. Who is isn't overweight Um, right now? I stepped on a scale. Don't recommend it. (laughs) Don't recommend yeah, my it. cat's eligible for the vaccine, actually, um, <laughs> in New York State. It's not fair, but we've been told our cat needs to lose three pounds. Oh, so cute. Well, I guess you're going to hear it. If you get it, we'll hear about it later because that will be your gayest thing when you do get it. Yeah, is getting... for sure. How's your week been? Uh, this week, I um, started a... Okay, I know it's going to sound like a cult. Or a multi-level marketing situation, but I got a WhatsApp text a week ago that was like, hey, friends, before you read on, just know that this isn't a scam. (laughs) I'm inviting you to embark on an enriching journey. Uh, This is the 21 Days of Abundance Challenge from Deepak Chopra, and I'm inviting you to join me. That's how you um, know it's a scam melody. If somebody starts something off saying this is not a scam, that's like starting off a sentence, I'm not racist, but well, did that guy when I got scammed last month, a month or two ago, did he come up to me and say this is not a scam? No. <laughs> and I felt for it. So I thought maybe this is how non-scams start okay. when they let you know explicitly because well, I'm what? Tell me more. Stupid in the pandemic and have lost all street smarts. So <laughs> I, Deepak I, Chopra. I, they were like, yeah, it's a Deepak Chopra 21 Days of Abundance Challenge. If you Google it, the first thing that comes up is, is this a multi-level marketing scheme plan like scam? Uh, but I just said yes. It's like by the end of the day, respond, count me in. And I saw some of my other friends, some comedians who are, you know, the most jaded people on earth say yes. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. Wait, Melody, are you only talking about this because you're trying to recruit people for the bottom of your pyramid? (laughs) I already recruited some people. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually started my own too. And that's why it feels like one spoiler alert on a certain day, you have to start your own group. And that's why it feels like one. But there I'm not selling anything. <laughs> it's just like daily meditations and journaling okay. assignments. But like it feels so much like... But there's no money? There's no like financial no. transaction? No. The whole thing is about abundance and like reevaluating your relationship with money. So it's a cult. And, yep. It feel, <laughs> you want to know how it feels like a cult? We're all on WhatsApp, which is the popular messaging app from the Nexium. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, that's not what made it popular, but they, in if you watch The Vow or the far superior India Oxenberg Nexium documentary called Still Learning, they you see that there was DOS, this within the cult, there was another um, yeah, yeah. secret society cult for women, where the ones that were branded. Sure. They all communicated on WhatsApp, and it was like they, you know, the slave master dynamic Mm. played out in WhatsApp where they had to, the masters would dictate 
assignments to their slaves and they'd have to respond immediately on WhatsApp, like, yes, master. And like request to have 200 calories master granted. And it's obviously not like that on our WhatsApp chats, but like, it's very strict. (laughs) (laughs) They just told me to, you know, just cut out some carbs and eat some more vegetables. It's nothing major. (laughs) They're not telling me what to eat. Um, But it just feels like it because you're kicked out of the group if you don't respond by the end of every day that your day one, day two, day three is complete. It's like very strict in that way. So I'm just getting flashbacks to the Nexium documentaries every time I have to submit at the end of the day, like assignment, day six complete. Hopefully I don't get scammed again. (laughs) That would be... Funny. Yeah, day 21, does somebody show up in a tunic and you have to fuck them? Like, <laughs> It's like day, day 19, they ask for your address. Day 20, I'm breaking skin somehow. <laughs> Tell me, uh, you're going to have to let us know at the end of 21 days if you're feeling the abundance or if you're in a cult. I can't yeah. wait. I am trying to see if I can meditate for 21 days. And I just want to get that out there before it's inevitably called out that I've been scammed once again on this podcast. We'll see. I'm sure we have some U-Haulers who who have also uh, fallen for this scam. So let's... Oh, you're calling it a scam. I'm um, not. I don't like I'm the not. intention behind that because I'm trying to manifest a lot more positivity in my life, Carolyn. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I'm keeping an open mind about it. I can't wait to hear uh, updates. I have a feeling like it's gonna it's gonna evolve uh, this experience. So I I hope you stick with it. I really want to know. I'm bringing in abundance for me, which means for us, which means I know we are gonna get to 400 patrons, which means I'll be twerking on TikTok yes. as promised. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, this week, so many times I was like, I'm going to make a TikTok and I've like put on makeup multiple times this week. And I just, I freeze. Like I even went to Home Depot because our last episode was about grilling. And I'm like, I'm going to make a TikTok that's going to be like if grills were like L word characters. Uh, and then I just got there and I got like very overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't know who's the Shane uh, of grills. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm just picturing you bringing, like, a bag of wigs into a Lowe's (laughs) (laughs) with a tripod. (laughs) I couldn't. I I also get, like, very, like, I can't take a selfie if other people are around. I can't do any kind of content. I don't know. Nothing earnest in public. Yes, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, This is where Um, I wish I was more, like... Cecilia, who doesn't care what anybody around her thinks, and Allie I admire too. it, but it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. I'm very... I made a TikTok this week. Do you see this bruise <laughs> on my knee? That's from me trying to dance and do a TikTok. <laughs> like, I'm too old. Do you see this bruise? I hurt I myself. I do. I do. I applaud. <laughs> I applaud your effort. Oh, one funny thing from going uh, and looking at grills was that we were looking at this one grill. Above it is this big sign that says free assembly and free delivery. And this guy approaches me and Cecilia because he sees two women looking at a grill and is like, they must need my opinion. So he comes up and he's like, you know, the... The Ace Hardware that's uh, in a nearby town. I forget which one, but they have free assembly. I don't know about delivery, but you should check them out. 
And I was going to make a joke like, do you work for Ace Hardware and you're just trying to like undercut (laughs) Home Depot? (laughs) But then Cecilia was like, oh, okay, we need to go there. And I just point to the sign. I'm like, free assembly and delivery here. Yeah, why? Men are so useless. Men, that was, that's just my PSA. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) You got to sneak it in every time. Every time. Last week it was, I don't like when they have a pulse. This week it's this. (laughs) I can feel the one-star reviews coming in. All right. I know. Well, Carolyn, if that's not the gayest thing you did this week, what is? Oh, I am so excited to tell you about the gayest thing. I will plug one gay thing I did, which was that I got to guest co-host an episode of the Coming Out Pod that comes out this week as well. Uh, And I was guest co-hosting with Lauren Flans. And the guest we brought on for it is Tian Tran, who did our Apologies episode. And we had a lot of fun there. So check that out. But the gayest thing I did, Melody, and I've been so excited about this, was that so I'm like decorating my home studio here that I've set up and I'm buying things that bring me joy and I got a couple of throw pillows oh do they say anything on them they say what a homo uh no because <laughs> Allie got throw pillows that I've hidden since and they say wifey and I can't <laughs> <laughs> I can't no this is a pillow that I have to imagine I'm the only person who's bought this throw pillow cover. I can't, I don't know who else it's for other than me. And when I saw it, I was like, I have to buy this. Tell me if you know what this is. Is that Rosie? No. Yes. Is it? Yeah. Rosie picking her nose. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It is a pillow. That is a paparazzi shot of Rosie O'Donnell picking her nose and then somebody made it into a painting and then turned it. And then someone made it into a pillow. (laughs) Into a pillowcase. So the colors match um, the chaise lounge I got perfectly. And I saw it. I'm like, this pillow brings me so much joy. But nobody tell Rosie because I'm afraid she'll think it's like mean. I don't know if she would appreciate that somebody made this pillow of her. And is making money off of that. As and long as you don't tweet it and tag her again or whatever I'm you not did going with the to. Rosie doll. We're trying to keep the creep factor down. I know. I'm trying to keep the creep factor down because also I know that she can be block happy if she thinks you're being mean. A friend of ours, Andy, got blocked by Rosie because he <gasps> tagged her in a stand-up uh, routine where he makes some type of comment about him oh, getting called yeah. Rosie O'Donnell or something like that, and then Andy Egenthorpe, yeah, 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 and then <laughs> and then Rosie blocked him, and but he like loves Rosie, and it was like very painful for him to be blocked by her. He loves every like he is the most pop culture obsessed. Like he just loves yeah. everyone so much. Oh, that's so yeah. Funny. So he got blocked by Ro- so I'm like I don't want Rosie to block me or not come on diking out because I have this pillow. So like nobody tell her, but it's also an amazing pillow and once she's on the podcast then I'll put a picture of um of the pillow but to make it even more gay once we've got her I also got what is this <laughs> I got this Madonna pillow so I have Mo and Row pillows the Madonna Mo and Row Mo and Row uh the Madonna pillow it's just like an illustration of um all of Madonna's various like 
iconic wardrobes from different um, music videos, tours, phases, and I have a pillow of that. And I think having Monroe pillows is like the epitome of gay. Like not oh, even yeah. grill shopping with my wife can top that. I'm so mad at you again. <laughs> Why? What's the gayest thing you did this week, Melody? I just watched a movie. What movie? I watched Foxfire. So did I, because listeners, you're going to hear in this conversation that we have with Dana that um, Melody and I did not watch Foxfire. And after watching- How? How? How How? have we not watched this? This is insane. It like was blowing my mind. Yeah. I guess I was eight when it came out, but that's still no excuse because I've watched almost all of Jenny Lewis's movies once I discovered her in my early teens. (laughs) I was yeah. like, how especially you being uh, so obsessed, so obsessed with Jenny Lewis that you've never seen it because this is like peak adorable Jenny I Lewis. I think it was like an access issue, maybe like, like of course I could get my hands on Troop Beverly Hills when I at you know that's the true, that's or whatever. True. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I can see why <laughs> why this was like never on TV. Obviously, um, I would. Can I please give the synopsis? Yes. Okay, so Foxfire is a movie about Angelina Jolie playing a lesbian drifter who hypnotizes a group of uh, women with her bare breasts. Yep, that's it. That's pretty much it. Uh, It is the gayest thing I've seen in a long time. Anybody tell me that Angelina Jolie plays a lesbian drifter? Why did no one tell me you see her breasts? I mean, she forms a girl gang. With Jenny Lewis. Yeah, which LOL, Jenny Lewis playing like the fat one <laughs> or whatever, like the like dork one. Or, like what? Like, you know, she was supposed to be the fat one in the 90s <laughs> and she is just a normal looking gal. But um, yeah. yeah, we have like the shy girl. We have the, the rebellious Jenny Shimizu. Um, no one told me that there was a movie with the two of them in it together. I know. Angelina Jolie and her. Um, yeah, and it's just a lot of subtext, of course. It does feel like overtly gay, but then you realize there's no actual like physical gay. I mean, yes, they're like taking their shirts off and tattooing each other's breasts, but like <laughs> there when I'm like, we were so close to getting a kiss, right? I know, and actually, yeah. you know what? We got something that's even gayer than two women kissing. What we got is two women who look like they're about to kiss, and then one of them points to the stars and goes, look, Spike is in Virgo. Yes. And then Angelina Jolie goes, summer's on its way. What? (laughs) It is so gay. There are so many, just them like dancing around in an abandoned house with a candlelight, but also when Angelina Jolie is giving the one girl her uh, tattoo and she just has like her the palm of her hand like caressing her nipple the yes. entire time I'm like alright so they let him go to second base but we can't get a kiss but that's <laughs> fine I'm actually okay I like a kiss would have been great but like had I seen this movie I mean I, I think 
maybe it was best for the universe that I didn't see this movie. I also, my first girlfriend was obsessed with Angelina Jolie, but I don't remember her ever talking about this movie. And I think maybe she was embarrassed or something. I don't know, but maybe she must have. She yeah. must have seen this movie, and that had to have been the root of her crush. Uh, I don't know how, like, they probably had to hide that movie or else it would have turned, like, every teenage girl in the 90s queer to some degree. I don't know. Yeah. I just... I did a quick search for, like, where was it out? Like, was it at Blockbuster Hollywood Video? How were people getting it? Right. Um, and I saw some articles from queer critics, like, just, like, not, like, critical pieces, but just, like, a nostalgia piece about the movie itself. And, like, I've seen a couple articles saying that they would rent it from their grocery store. I was just like, I missed it at the stop and shop. It would have changed everything. <laughs> right, right. It's also just like a really fun movie that seems like like in the vein of kind of like a now and then or whatever. Like, yeah, like, like how a how... female friendship queer subtext movie. Like, yeah, even the craft now and then. Um, yeah, yeah. All those just... movies. This one is like, like, like it's a good movie. We I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Allie always has, Allie has really bad ADD and has her phone in her hand no matter what we're watching. It's just always, you know, there. Right. And she's paying attention, but she's just like, you know, overstimulated and needs to like scroll. Um, so she was kind of in parts of the movie, but when we got to that boob tattoo second base scene, it just yeah. like dropped. <laughs> like, her <grip. laughs> like her grip loosened and it just fell into her lap. <laughs> Our mouths are open the whole time. I just kept screaming, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I think that this eases us into our topic for today, which is the gay 90s. And for this topic, we have none other than Dana Pickley, who is an entertainment writer and pop culture critic and the founder and editor of Queer Media Matters, which is an awesome resource for all things queer in the media. Uh, she also hosts many a gay panel, including those at Clexicon, where we first met. And she has a queer romance book out that's called Savor the Moment. If that's not enough, she is also the host of the Horror is So Queer pod. Dana, thank you so much for diking out with us today. How exciting to have you here. We're going to kick off by asking you, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Narrow it down. Because <laughs> I know you lead a very gay life, Dana. <laughs> oh, my God. You... Okay, I, so I felt it in the sigh. Perhaps the gayest. <laughs> Let's go. As my cat jumped from the cat tree <laughs> in the background. Okay, I am currently wearing... My six feet beautiful hat from Gossip Grill in San Diego, oh. which is one of the last queer lady centric bars Amazing. in the country. Um, I'm really big into trying to support uh, the remaining bars as they've had such a horrendous year. Um, so as you I, say this, I am drinking oh, Dyke beer, which oh my goes gosh. to support. Uh, I <laughs> did a piece bars. about, just recently did a piece for Queer Media Matters about spirits and wine and beer and totally included Dyke beer. Um, Love really it. Nice. Continue though. Yes. You're wearing your, your Gossip Girl hat. You're wearing your Alice Piazzecki glasses. I've got these huge pink sparkly glasses on. And I am wearing Haley Kiyoko's new perfume, Hue, which I just received in the mail today. 
I yes! saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> and so I was going to ask you go. about it. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It's we have. Is it? Should I get it? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want it. Let me describe it. It is a very – so the best way I can describe it, and I'm a super big fragrance buff, um, you are like – you just like loofahed yourself up. You're fresh from the shower. Like just like the steam is fragrant with like shower gel and, and mm. healthy, you know, skin and hair and everything's just like bright and fresh. That's what this smells like. Ooh, oh, it's a clean smell. It's super that's clean. Very um, clear. Citrus, a little citrus forward. Oh, but, yeah, um, I like that. But not like fruity. Anything but floral for me. I was worried it was going to be floral because rose is one of the big scents that they used in it. Um, mm. But it, it, I don't, I don't particularly smell the rose myself. Okay. I yeah. dig it. Okay. Does it turn people gay? Uh, is that? <laughs> Well, you wouldn't know because you're you're already there. But like, does it? Have you noticed? It, it's hard with quarantine. It's I just want to know new. if you walk down the street and then are people all of a sudden gay? Well, I will have to you? let you know because it yeah. it just came out on the third. So keep us and, posted. Yeah, I will definitely. I could actually use some of that. I need something that makes it smell like I showered. I think that's a great quarantine scent. <laughs> I need something to spray my mask with. Honestly. Oh. Yeah, that might be that might make be it rough. fun. I might give you a yeah. headache in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it will give you that fresh smell. Like if if you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna skip it today. Put yeah. on put on your gossip girl hat. Give yourself a couple spritz of hue, and you're good to go. Amazing. Yeah. So Dana, tell our listeners who might not be familiar with you, those who are just off the internet. Uh, <laughs> tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Dana Pickley. And I, I guess I would describe myself as a queer-centric pop culture critic and entertainment writer. I've been writing, gosh, now almost for a decade, pretty exclusively about uh, queer women mostly. Um, but my current site, uh, Queer Media Matters, I have kind of extended that into talk about just really all the queer things that I really love and that extends very pretty much LGBTQ+. IA all, all over the place. But yeah, so I do that. Uh, so yeah, Queer Media Matters is a site. I, I work, uh, well, I'm the site. <laughs> work implies I get paid for it. Um, but before that, um, I was the uh, managing editor at the blog at Bella Books, which is Bella Books, if you're not familiar, is a le- lesbian queer women's publishing company. Yes. Um, and before that... I was an employee and editor and writer for a little website <laughs> called After Ellen, um, which we don't talk about anymore. And I also do like a lot of um, podcasts and I do MC hosting and a lot of moderating of panels and interviews, that sort of thing. So I'm kind of all over the place. I do a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. How do you stay on the pulse of all things gay? I just, I kind of am obsessed with it, always have been. So I'm just super nosy. I'm always just like digging into things and I pay attention. I pay attention to what people are saying on on social media. Um, I really get a lot of information from the people I follow and that follow me. So I just, um, and also I, I, I think at a certain point you kind of establish yourself as a person in that world, which is why I got to do like a really cool thing. Um, I got to be in the documentary Queering the Script a couple years mm. ago, and it's all about like queer women on television. And so uh, you get to do cool stuff like that because like 
people figure that you have something to say about it. And so I do get a lot of um, really good PR stuff, studios, creators, author stuff like that. So that really helps. Perfume. No, I paid for that perfume. Oh, <laughs> this so was not I, a free perfume. I, I saw you tweet about it. And I'm like, oh, man, Dana got free perfume no, from Haley Kiyoko. No, did you see a hashtag it. ad? No, you did not. I paid for that. I love following you on Twitter because it is one of those things where when you tweet something and I'm like, what you talking about? And then I'll like send me into this like either Twitter or YouTube or Google spiral of like there's something going on in the community. Like it's like a Are you gay talking about signal. my subtweets or my like actual tweet? Ooh. Both. Both. I'm like, what is it? What's she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> is there like queer speculation tweets? What uh, <laughs> yes, sometimes. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm I will say something that not specifically because I don't want to spoil things or call certain things out. It's it's when you're a critic and you're writing about entertainment, it's like there's a really fine line because you have to be honest and authentic with your audience, but you also don't want to like completely obliterate like your relationships with studios. Um, right. So I have on, on occasion said some some subtweeted concerns or or frustrations. Do you find that it's harder to write about things that you hate I don't or do it. love? You don't? Okay. I don't do it anymore. It You're brought me zero joy. Um, it got me into trouble <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, it came down to, so I once wrote a review about a film that it was fine. It, it wasn't, but it was queer written. It was like. Uh, a straight woman and queer best friend. And I just didn't like it. Um, and I wrote about it and the writer and director was, were like, they were pretty upset <laughs> because here I am in this huge platform. This was back in the after Ellen days. And here I like just shit all over their film. And I realized like in hindsight, like, Oh man, that, may have like really damaged their ability to push this film because people coming to the site are going to read this review and they're maybe they're going to be like, I don't want to see that movie now. And that was only, that was like solely my feelings about it. And so I've kind of decided over the years that if I don't feel good about it, I don't like it. I'm just not going to write about it. Mm, Okay. I don't always write the most like hundred percent glowing things. I do call out issues where I do point out things that I maybe whatever. And I do feel it is my duty as uh, somebody who writes about LGBTQ matters to address things that are harmful. So I don't consider that writing about things I hate. I consider that like, this is an important conversation we need to have. That's very different from like getting a movie that I just, I watched and I was like, I don't like this movie. Yeah, You know, right. <laughs> you don't need me and, and telling my, you know, whatever, 18,000 followers that your movie sucked. Like, right. That's not going to help you in any way. So I'm just going to like take an L on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I know that we can clown on things a lot, but at the same time, like we're always encouraging people to see and support the content and saying like what we do like about it. And then if there are things that we can have a laugh about, sure. Uh, um, Because yeah, you, it is within our community. It is those consequences have, they're just bigger, you know? Yeah, no. Um, So much easier to take down a Marvel movie, you know, I have zero compunction or issue, uh, 
having an issue with something that a non-queer person has made that is queer-centric. Right, right. Um, I feel much more comfortable about addressing those things. But when it's a queer an creator. independent queer creator yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. I, I, I tread pretty carefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to make good content. I think a lot of people think that it's really easy, but, you know, sometimes they'll be like the first time somebody's making a movie. And because we uh, for so long had like so few stories that it gets mm-hmm. like this widespread exposure within the community. And then we're all really critical because it's all all yeah. we have. And it's like this poor person was like just trying to make something. There's a for tremendous us. amount of pressure right. on queer creators. It's, right. it's yeah. tough. And yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that happen. For sure. Hey, Carolyn, I've been meaning to ask, is your house haunted by the ghosts of the lesbians who used to live there? I wish I knew. On one hand, things do keep disappearing. But on the other, I've been sleeping soundly through the night, which is when I think they'd be most active. Right, because you've been getting the best sleep of your life with your Helix mattress. Against all odds, yes. Between Cecilia's snoring and the loud banging from our old baseboard heaters, I can't believe that I'm sleeping through the night and the possible lesbian haunting. As a Helix mattress user myself, I believe it. My back hurts less now, which tricked me into thinking I could pull off my latest TikTok video without injury. I'm so glad it's helped with your back issues. The two-minute quiz we took on their website really paired us with the best mattress for our bodies and lifestyle. I no longer wake up in Cecilia's sweat. How romantic. Yes, we both have the Dusk Luxe model, which is good for people who run hot when they sleep. It's medium firm and great for back sleepers like me. Yep. They have different levels of firmness, that's for single couples and probably throuples. Don't give me any ideas. So if you're looking for a new mattress, just go to helixsleep.com slash diking out and take the two minute sleep quiz where they'll pair you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Avoid the mattress store and get the right mattress for you in less time than it would take to organize a seance to summon lesbian ghosts. It ships free to your door and has a 10 year warranty. Plus, you can try it out for 100 nights risk free. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash diking out. That's helixsleep.com slash diking out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Today, you are here to dike out with us about the gay 90s. Sometimes a guest will send a topic that you just know instantly this is a winner. <laughs> this is going to be good. Yeah. I'm feeling very nostalgic lately. And I was like, the. 90s were just so gay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm seeing the like the Gen Z kids now fully embracing a lot of 90s culture, fashion. Oh my god. I look at some of the Gen Z TikTokers and I'm, I'm and I'm like you look exactly like I it did is wild. In the 90s. Yeah. 
Is this why we can't wear slim fit pants anymore? I yes. don't know. But you know what? As a plus size gal, I cannot wear wide leg pants. It's just <laughs> yeah. not going to work. They're taking down not just uh, skinny jeans. I saw one about like high rise jeans. It's like you're going too far. Like we can't. We will. Ne- I will never go back. Learn that was from torture. our mistakes. <laughs> Learn from our mistakes of having our ass cracks mm. out, of having our muffin tops oh, no. aplenty just spilling over. You don't our want whale to Words next? Is that yeah. what we're going to be exposed to? <laughs> I'll you know, take the UFO pants, though. <laughs> uh, we can bring... That's fine. <laughs> Those look comfy. Yeah, we've all been... Yeah, I won't to, leave the house. We've been turning to sweatsuits in the pandemics when it should have been uh, UFO pants. You know, I wonder, like, Gen Z, if you didn't grow up without the internet, like, can you even wrap your mind around what life was like. I imagine it was, I imagine that's actually pretty difficult. Um yeah. <laughs> we, I can I can't imagine growing up with the internet like that. I mean, I had we had the internet, not, yeah. But it wasn't like it was. Um right, right. it had just kind of started becoming a thing. Um but yeah, I think some I I, I hope they listen to this. I have some so, some bullies, some Gen Z bullies um, oh that stalk me on Twitter and Instagram and say like horrific things to me. Um, Why? And, yeah. Knock it off. Oh. If you're one of these people that are harassing Dana, knock it off right now. All right. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm old enough now that I can deal with it. But I mean, they say like horrific things about my body and like kill yourself and you should die. Like die fat girl die was a, a, a one that came out recently. But yeah, they what? they they find the body positive generation. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, so they they just hate me. I don't know why. But if I was sixteen and someone was saying that stuff to me, I don't know yeah. what I would have done. Like it it. It's not fun when you're grown up, and I'm I'm kind of glad that I was like the last generation that didn't have to deal with that. Right, I was so mercilessly bullied in like the fourth, fifth grade. It was like just before the internet hit, and it, even if it did hit, it wouldn't have devolved yet into like the online bullying that we see now. I just don't think I would have survived it yeah, if like I was still so bullied mean. to that degree and the internet was a factor too. No, yeah. forget it. Yeah. The fact that people have ac- this kind of access to like photo editing and they can like make memes that they pass around to ridicule you oh, yeah. and put you they down. They take pictures of me from my Instagram and they have uh, put like Gypsy Blanchard's face on mine. Um, this is blowing they my just, mind. They just uh, – uh, Gypsy Blanchard was a, a girl who ended up killing her mother who had Munchausen by proxy. It, that whole – there was a series on like Hulu all about it. Um, I don't know why they were somehow talking about that and they were like, let's make fun of Dana right now. So then they they just – they will they take like my wedding picture and make fun of me and, you know, I am a pretty confident person in, you know, no matter what size I am or whatever. And I think that I've been really working hard to make sure that other queer women and non-binary folks feel comfortable in their skin as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just – <laughs> yeah, seeing your like wedding picture that you're so nostalgically proud of and happy of, like being like mercilessly made fun of. I, I, I'm trying to imagine like if it was my senior picture and somebody was doing that. Like, what would that make me feel like? Right. Yeah. That. 
I'm like shocked right now. I know. That, <laughs> um, that is so mean. And I have a hard time like grasping like why why anybody. Why in like, the first place? I always think like these people must be so miserable or they're, they must be like so miserable in their own lives that, that they have to, to do this, which is unfortunate. But this does make me think of, you know, talking about gay nineties that in the nineties, I think a big thing, which I don't know if it's still a thing is that, um, one of the, the biggest insults you can get as a as a girl in middle school or high school is being called a lesbian. Oh, not just a lesbian, but lesbian. Oh, yeah. like, Definitely <laughs> had that in middle school. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, I remember once we were in uh, – I, I went to Catholic school my whole life. And we were – we had to like hold hands for something – and I was, there was sure. the girl we that bullied, father. yeah, right. The girl that bullied the shit, sh- you know, out of me was standing next to me. And I, because she had called me gay, I like refused to hold her hand. I'm like, that's gay. You know, <laughs> she's like, it's our father, weirdo, you know? <laughs> yeah. Everything like gay as an insult. Like I remember when I was starting to come out at the end of high school, so like we were already into the the aughts by then, but my friends were like a little bit horrified because of how much they know that they called things mm. gay in a negative way. And a couple of them were like, oh. Carolyn, so, so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I did it. You know, like it was just such right, an right, insult right. in the fifth grade. I had a teacher. His name was Mr. K, K-A-Y. And he didn't like my attitude. He called a conference with my parents because I, quote, rolled my eyes too much. Okay. Um, so the next day I came into the classroom and I took the chalk and wrote in huge letters, Mr. Gay. And just sat back at my seat and watched it. That's a hate crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. What the hell? Internalized homophobia oh, at 10. At 10. <laughs> I'm not proud. Melody, this is why we're co hosts because I got sent in. The one time I got sent out into the hall was for rolling my eyes at a teacher. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I went to an all girls high school. Um, yes. I'm actually very devoted to my high school. Uh, I'm actually on a committee. That's working with my high school, within my high school to dismantle um, racism and um, exclusionary practices. And it's really amazing. I'm on this these committee, this committee with like all these amazing people that graduated from my high school from like the 70s to just a few years ago. Um, what region was it in? It's in Michigan. But I can tell you with like 100% honesty, no one ever messed with me for being queer in high school. There was a very open environment of like affection and um, hero worship and like actual relationships amongst women when I was in school. And while I was, if you can imagine, like the juggernaut of me, like squished down into like a 17-year-old ball of energy, like what that must have been like. (laughs) Uh, I'm much more mellow than I was when I was young. Um, They apparently had to call like a conference amongst um, like some of the teachers and the uh, uh, principal and stuff like that to how to deal with this like new group of queer girls at the school led by yours truly. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's making it look too fun. 
They're like, okay, <laughs> so she's gay. We Access get the it. Tree. Uh, how do we deal with this? And uh, they really didn't. <laughs> they gotta yeah. left yeah. me alone. <laughs> so, so in the nineties, like, what were some? Do you remember some of like the gay cultural things that first? Like started piquing your interest oh or the things you were gravitating to that you're like, whoa, 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 what's this? I think that Sassy Magazine is the um, <laughs> is the the entry to any like queer uh, '90s girls uh, persona. So yeah, a mm. big Sassy fan. Uh, read about Riot Girls, and I was just like so taken by this whole kind of cool girl, but not mean girl culture. Um, mm-hmm. And it felt really accepting. I remember like reading things that were um, like lesbian centric or queer centric, you know, from time to time. And I felt really included. I felt really seen by Sassy. Um, and so I think like as a young person, before I even realized I was queer, um, that was a place that made me feel comfortable. Like there's a world out there that's really cool. It's full of cool girls like you and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Katie Lang, Cindy Crawford, Vanity Fair cover. Your your faces look blank. How are you not like? How is this not registering? I'm you? a little younger. I'm googling it. <laughs> no, you probably have seen it and just are not like realizing you've seen it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I've seen this. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm Googling it now, and I haven't seen Full this. Full goosebumps. And I feel like I need to be kicked out of the club for not knowing this existed. Oh, my. So I can't stop shivering. At, I, I This, like, takes me back to a place I don't, I don't even right. know. You were probably, like, like, really young, and yes. something stuck out to you, like, you're a little queer self about it. I but remember yeah. the pose. Okay. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't seen this, we're looking at the cover of Vanity Fair, the headline is Katie Lang's Edge, and it's Katie Lang uh, dressed in like w- with like a tie, a vest, like a suit vest with shaving cream all over, and getting like a fresh shave by Cindy Crawford, who is wearing a, a one piece bathing suit and like throwing her head back in ecstasy with her breasts against uh, Katie Lang's cheek. cheeks. <laughs> it was the most subversive. Thing I had ever seen in my young life that was like out there in the world, just like I, it, it totally rocked me to my core, and I became. How an- was everyone not instantly gay <laughs> after this? Yeah, I got really into Katie Lang after that. <laughs> <laughs> really into Katie Lang. I think I probably modeled my look after Katie Lang for like the first few years I came out, like in in honor of all of that. Um, I used to have like super short, spiky hair and. Now I've kind of embraced my natural femme demeanor. Uh, but yeah, that was such a big deal. It was Cindy Crawford. Yeah. The the most like supermodel, supermodel of the like world. Oh, and here yeah. she is like caressing so and like in this intimate pose. Oh my gosh. Wow. And there's like multiple poses. Yeah, there's when different you get inside. Shots. There's like her straddling Katie. This because is... that's not – I don't remember the cover. I remember one of the other editorial things, which I thought when I Googled just now, um, that's what sticks out to me. I don't know why not that specific pose wow. there and for the cover, but one of the pictures from the spread is what I remember. Yeah. I don't know why. Do you remember the album cover for Melissa Etheridge's Yes, I Am? Yes. And to me, I knew 
Like my little like career head was like, yes, I am. I think I know what she's saying she is. And I think I am too, you know? <laughs> but I didn't come out till I was 16. So this was, that stuff was before that. Uh, but it kind of started like these little trigger moments for me. Um, and then I don't know how to describe going to an all-girls school. It's just like the kind of just frenetic like feminine energy that happens is just so wild. It's um, it's a place I felt a hundred percent myself. Yeah, and um, I think that's probably why I'm so grateful and so um, still connected to to the school. But um, I really I feel like I would have come out sooner. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I I had my first girlfriend when I was seventeen, but I feel like had I just been around girls and like had eliminated the anxiety of like this pressure of finding a boyfriend. So my friends didn't think I was gay. Mm. Uh, I would have just like given in <laughs> a lot earlier. <laughs> I'm kind of a late bloomer. So it didn't really even occur to me until Same. there was like this just moment. And I was, um, I was in a quiet, well, it's hard to describe. It was an elite singing group. Um, I was in an elite singing group in high school and we went to camp to learn our, learn our like, major routines for the the next year and one of our counselors (laughs) one of our counselors I don't know what it was but I just wanted I hated her the second I laid eyes on her and then like two days later I was like I'm in love with her (laughs) (laughs) classic she was straight but like the loveliest most receptive person to my poor attitude and then eventual like confessing of my feelings she was very very (sighs) the best person for in my life to have come out to in like this fit of like hormones and rage um so i'm very (laughs) grateful to her (laughs) the 90s were like a time that was kind of confusing because there was so much lesbian energy that was like mainstream especially in music so you're talking like katie lang melissa etheridge um Tracy Chapman. The Jill Sabule, I Kissed a Girl song came out. Yeah. Yes. Leisha Haley's band, The Murmurs, had their song, um, You Suck, like right in the, like, the mid-90s. Yes. There was also, you know, you had the whole like Sarah McLaughlin and Love oh. Fair going on. But there were also songs like Sunny Came Home by Sean Colvin, which... I don't know what it's... I mean, it's about, like, somebody burning down a house, right? <laughs> just talking to my wife about this today in the car because then it came over. <laughs> I was like, you know this is about a person who just, like, got out of, like, a, a like an institution or, like, a rehab or something, and she goes home and burns her house down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. feels queer. It feels pretty good. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> that Sunny came home probably felt queer to you because right at the beginning she goes, she opened a book. And a box of tools. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you remember that Sean Colvin was on the Olivia Cruz episode of The L Word? She was performing. Yes. yes. And you know, I worked Wait. for Olivia for two years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All of those, I mean, like Meredith Brooks, like Meryl Bainbridge, um, What's her? Just like coffee house in general. Yeah, like, like a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the physical space. Yeah. Like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, Tracy Bonham was another one that because of like her rage, I thought that that she was gay. But yeah, like everybody at that time, I don't know. There was like something about it. And then you thought like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is just like mainstream and it doesn't mean anything that I'm like super into Melissa Etheridge and it speaks to me or that like I would follow Alanis Morissette into the pits of hell. Well, I think that uh, allowed so to. many of us to like tap into, well, they, they basically like brought in this whole new genre of music, which was popular contemporary pop rock with like a really empowered center. Yeah. And then on the same time, so that's happening, that's growing. And at the same time, the Riot Girl movement is happening um, in the Pacific Northwest, which is yeah. bringing stuff like Sleater Kinney, which like blew my mind in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and I was like super, man, if I could have been a Riot Girl, oh, you know, I would have totally, I would have totally been over there. I think about it. <laughs> it was just a little before my time. Yeah, a what a time. Moment. What a time to be there. And then on the flip side, I feel like dude bands were also like lesbians. Let us write about that. So you have like um, Weezer's Pink Triangle. Pink Triangle. I'm dumb. She's a, we probably can't even air this if I sing these songs. I'm going to stop right? singing. <laughs> There is also a song that I read later that they wrote it so that it could be like open to interpretation. But um, the song "I Could Never Be Your Woman" by White Town, I That's was a like, great song. "Oh, he's Ooh. into a lesbian and she wants a woman. This is interesting." And then there, were, uh, I don't know if either of you were Sugar Cult fans. I went and saw them live twice. <laughs> Nice. Me too. But like, uh, not when they were popular. It was a little after the fact. Anyways. Saw Sugar Cult Live with my first girlfriend. Uh, and they have a song that they didn't play live. I think it was like a B track or something called uh, Debbie. And it's, the lyrics are like, uh, Debbie was a lesbian yesterday. And it's about like him watching this girl named Debbie have sex with her girlfriend and stuff. But then he like turns her. Uh, it's like this horrible song. And you went to their concert? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like at the time I was like, oh, somebody's writing about us. <laughs> oh, the scraps we took in the 90s. Let me tell yeah, you. Right, like, I loved right, right. Pink Triangle by Weezer. And like I didn't know why at the time, but they were just blatantly singing the word lesbian. <laughs> right, so I right. loved it. Well, and the men in that in the 90s, so like the grunge guys um especially like Pearl Jam Nirvana Nirvana were huge huge supporters of LGBT Kurt Cobain in particular huge like yes. women's rock and women musician supporters so like it felt safe around them like listening to their mm -hmm. music it felt like adjacent to my world yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i can see that. yeah because you, we had like moved on from like the the 80s rockers that were all about just like fucking groupies, you know, like these guys were probably still fucking the groupies. But <laughs> did you ever get a chance when you were younger to hear like Tribe 8 or Team Dresh um, no, who were no. like queer core, hardcore riot girl um, uh, when you get a chance, like check okay. out some of their stuff? It was to me just it kind of like rocked me to my socks in like ways that um 
other stuff wasn't because it was just like so speaking like to like queer women. It was just all about like queer women and like queer love and like queer rage. And, and it was um it was just like I think I got like a CD, like an EP that had like Teen Drush and Tribate like ran. Oh, it was called There's a Dyke in the Pit. Oh my fuck yeah! Wow, there's a uh, dyke in the used pit. To love the pit. It me, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you I can find it, I wonder if it's pit. on like Spotify or something. But yeah, it had all like these like crazy like intense like lesbian centric bands, and uh, it was very. Not, I mean, and I'm like a musical theater girl, so not particularly like influential style wise, but like influential me wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ethos wise. T- uh man carolyn you used to mosh <laughs> i would dabble in the pit i, I used to it. go to a lot of those yeah. uh, kind of more punk type show i i was more into like punk pop but like every once in a while you'd have like a band in the mix that was a little more edge yeah. mosh pit. i was crowd surfing i was doing those things <laughs> yes you know going back to like jill sobiel i feel like that one was a significant one for me because she actually like came out and just spelled it out in a very like clear way and cannot be misconstrued for anything else. There is no subtext. Yeah. This it, is it was just like me I, kissing a girl. Just like I remember being in the car and like hearing it and I was like, what am I hearing <laughs> right now? And the video, oh my God, on MTV. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. Which speaking MTV. MTV. Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. We gotta talk yes. about MTV. <laughs> yes, I've The real in my world. <laughs> yes. That's the first thing on the list on our doc here, baby. Um, season six, Genesis Moss. The first out lesbian. The, the first well, one. So Beth was a lesbian, maybe on the San Francisco season. I'm not really sure, but I, didn't, I was all confused by that at the time. I still yeah. am. But Genesis. I remember Genesis very much because she was like this very soft-spoken kind of like sweet little lesbian. And I was like, ah! But any any like real world back then just was so important to me. You know, even though Genesis was like the out lesbian, real world Boston was like a very significant season for me. And I had, like, the biggest crush on Elka. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That was a great was cast. Obsessed with Elka. And my uh, my first girlfriend, not my first, my first, like, long-term girlfriend, like, multiple year-long relationship is the first girl I ever had a crush on. And they reminded me of Elka and it made that crush like even more devastating when I first had it. Uh, like it just brought me back. I was going to say Montana would have been my crush for that season. Also, also Montana, because I would say more so than Genesis, Montana was given off really queer vibes. I feel like she was like kind of a bad girl because she was drinking around kids. Was that it? Was that? Wait, she yeah, she was season six, right? Uh, there's so many now. Yes, yes, yes. So she, she also was, was? It was Montana. No, no, she, Montana wasn't queer, but it was um, Montana and Genesis were on the same season, I think. Mo- Montana, Genesis, Elka. Um, you had Cyrus. Yes, Cyrus. You had Sean Duffy, who's now in That's Congress right, and a Republican. Oh. And Rachel, right? No, no, Rachel no. was. Oh Rachel. no, they met through like road. They met through like road rules or something. The challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched yeah, yeah, all yeah, those yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Which the challenges uh, also brought back Coral, who I want to have on this podcast 
love because Coral in the Return to New York real world season was not out. I believe oh, okay. I don't think she was out in her season, and then she came out in the real world Road Rules Challenge. Oh yeah, she's a badass. Yeah, and then there's Ruthie from Hawaii. Ruthie, Ruthie I was waiting for us that was to bring we're getting into the aughts there. Okay, okay, yeah, that's where I started. Was I was watching more, and that was my real world gay icon. After Boston was Seattle. Yeah, these were the years I was into. Seattle's when I started watching more. Yes, like regularly. That was a mess. Had to sneak it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was a mess because that was the one where Irene mm-hmm. uh, accuses Stephen of being gay, and he was. Yeah, but like at the time, you didn't know it because you weren't used to seeing gay people on TV, and you were used to hearing gay as an insult. So when Irene did that, I was like, "Well, this is really disappointing because Irene has actually been like a very sympathetic character this whole season." And now uh, she uh, tells Stephen he's a homosexual as she's like leaving the show. Yeah, yeah. And then he smacks her. The hand, the the car smack. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, hmm. the drama. Andy threw out her teddy bear. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Which should have let us know. Yes, he was gay. No, just kidding. Wait. That's there's. <laughs> if we if we go okay, so let's take a step back. Go to the yeah. first real world and how it just completely changed everything. Yes, 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 yes. Because With I think Pedro. It, Pedro, absolutely. But I think yeah. what it did is it allowed America, I'm just going to speak for, you know, I'm just going to speak for America right now. Uh, it allowed Americans <laughs> to see like LGBTQ people living their lives like people. And yes. it was, that was the first time that we had really seen that. And I think that it really i mean reality tv has its own issues but i think that it it did help in a lot of ways being able to see people like pedro and genesis and you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh pedro was season two why do i always say or season three pedro was season three okay and um, who's gay on season one got like um norman didn't like president clinton um released a statement after his death from AIDS, mm-hmm. right? That's yes. Pedro. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pedro got married on the show, like yes. had a, to his partner a Sean. ceremony. Yes. Yeah. And that was like one of like the biggest deals in LGBT. Yeah. Pedro, <laughs> Pedro helped normalize so much for the LGBT community and also helped bring uh, an understanding and em- empathy to the HIV and AIDS crisis then, which was still, I mean, this was like 94. Four. So, yeah, I mean, AIDS had and HIV had been in the community for what, since 81, 82? And mm-hmm. people were still, there was still no, no, like really good cocktail of medicines or anything that was, people were still very much like getting sick and dying at this point. Yeah. And this is all coming full circle because real world New York is coming back. Yes. The reunion. They're doing like a reunion uh, series of it. That's interesting. But yeah, the, um, the, the impact of that and like, I don't know. I I just know that I was watching it and there were things and dynamics that I was like too young to understand, but like wanted to. And that representation of like different kind of people who we weren't getting through like sitcoms. Right. You know, I was actually looking back in, in, in the sitcoms because it wasn't until the early aughts that I think that queer people really started to have some sort of significant presence in, in, in television. Um, but 
I was kind of looking back at things and I was like, there was Picket Fences, which had that brief queer storyline. And then um, I was like, oh my God, Xena and yeah. Buffy were at the tail yes. end of the 90s. And those are yeah. two of the still like most significant shows for especially queer women. Um, yeah. And like, wow, like <laughs> what game yeah. changers those were. Well, and then Ellen, of course, is oh, like yes. another headline yes. of the 90s. That's totally – that's, that's just like that is cultural to me. Yeah. Less entertainment and more cultural. But I, when I was in college, I might think – I'm actually – I've reconnected with my college roommate. And God bless her heart. She was very patient with me. Um, <laughs> she, she let me put dialogue from the episode where Xena – dies one of the first times and speaks to Gabrielle through Autolycus. Um, it like it was like a long, it was like a minute long dialogue, and she let me put that on our answering machine. And I do not know why we thought that that was acceptable. And my mother would get so pissed because she had to listen to this hour. <laughs> Oh my God! That's Just what I answering miss. machine culture yes. is also so nineties. I miss that. I miss that. Actually, it was voicemail. Now that I think about it, we didn't actually have an answering machine. It was voicemail was through the university, right, but right. still. But but even voicemail, yeah. like like when we first all started getting cell phones and we had the chance to have our own voicemail and and as, prank. Yes, as being like, hello, like hello, yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm just kidding. This is my voicemail. Got you. Leave a message. <laughs> right. but I'll then, call you back in five seconds. Instead of that, just imagine a very, very long moment of dialogue yeah. between Cena and Gabrielle. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> Full dialogue. I did all of that. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did like the trick one. I did the audio from like TV shows or movies or like you could find um, on like LimeWire sometimes like celebrity thing clips that would be like good as, uh, as voicemail. Remember when we used to have fun? Yeah. Right. Good, clean fun. <laughs> And nobody could comment on it. Nobody. nobody. And you just you had to get off the internet because your mom needed to use the phone. And my my dad right. would be like, "Uh, hello, <laughs> Donna, is this you? Uh, do you need to pay your phone bill?" Zena. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we had Zena Ellen. Will and Grace came out at the tail end of the nineties, yes. right? That was started that shaking was. things up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, with even without those things, the 90s was just like such an interesting place and time to be queer because it was no longer subversive, but it still wasn't quite mainstream. So right. you would have to go to like the women's bookstore if you wanted to rent a video or sorry, like a DVD or whatever um, that was like queer because they just didn't have them. You can just walk into a blockbuster and get like wolf videos, uh, whatever the hell it was, bar girls or whatever. Oh God. <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean – it was, but that was part of it. Part of the excitement yeah. and interest and connection was mm -hmm. going into that queer bookstore um, and talking to like the buzz cutted lesbian at the front and, you know, you know, asking her recommendation and then like picking up a copy of On Our Backs, like and like looking, <laughs> looking through it and being like terrified and putting it back and going over for like Deneuve, which then like became Curve and. 
Yeah, it was oh, it was yeah. exciting. Yeah, there there was hunting and gathering this, <laughs> yes. this content. Definitely hunting and gathering. <laughs> it, felt, it felt it felt like culture. it was earned. Yeah. <laughs> but you felt like you earned it and that like like it's okay that I'm indulging in this thing that uh, I can't let anyone in my family know right. about because I worked really hard. Um, to find these pictures of Madonna's sex book that are girl and girl, you're you like, know? let me pick up. I and mean, you, you could get any, you could get anything. You're like, let me get some uh, gum. Let me get a, a ruby fruit jungle. Um, I'll take that set of pride rings. Um, <laughs> do you have that in white gold? You know, like it was just they had everything for your little queer mind. And it was just amazing. I would I would go to a place called the Women's Prerogative. I'm saying it the way it was spelled. The Women's Prerogative in Ferndale, Michigan. And that is where I would get all my gay goodies. The feminism during the 90s read as gay I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of like what were straight women like in the '90s because like everything feels so gay to me. Indistinguishable. Like, That's right. the problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then you bring lesbian chic into the mix and forget it. It's yeah. just gonna be. It's gonna be everywhere. <laughs> it's it was so confusing. <laughs> lesbian chic, it remains confusing. Um, but the lesbian chic was like all over time magazine at one point and it was just lesbians suddenly became like very palatable because it's like suddenly we were super high femme and like okay well that's we can accept that right but yeah. in reality like you know m- more of us were wearing tevas than than high heels tevas. <laughs> yeah see i i was also thinking though still i mean i remember thinking like well I can't be a lesbian because until like somebody like Genesis, but I was like, I'm them. Um, I must not be gay because I don't know anybody who's gay who looks like me and like, like lesbians. Oh, those are like just like women who don't shave and like live in the woods. Yeah. We didn't have like primo representation for a long time. Like the lesbian chic period it happened maybe when you were a little too young to have like been exposed to it thoroughly. So yeah, tell me more about it. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> I really want to know. Yeah, it was just that, well, I'm picturing something in my head. I'm but. picturing Saint Vincent, honestly. Oh, think higher femme than that. Oh. Um, just it was very much lipstick lesbians is also part of the lesbian yeah. chic movement. But it pumps. Was, yeah, pumps. We're talking heels. We're talking. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like an exaggeration of like the femme uh, part. I'm thinking Candace Bergen and Murphy Brown, even though like she wasn't lesbian, but like that's what's coming to mind. She was a little too chic. butch to be uh, lesbian chic. Um, okay, I'm trying to Ooh. think. Let's see, like who would have been a good example? Um, I don't know, but the media was obsessed with lesbian chic for a while, and then on the other side, you have like someone like Katie Lang. So it was either like. There was no in between, basically. Right. It's either you're Katie Lang or you're lesbian chic, and those are your options. And thank God yeah. for Riot Girl because then I felt I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in this mix here. I wore a kilt for like most of my young life because I was in Catholic right. school, so um, I wasn't able to be much of a rebel girl with my uh, <laughs> with my costuming. Going back to MTV, let's talk about Daria. <laughs> You mean to tell me that Jane Lane is not a lesbian because... Jane is a lesbian. 
<laughs> the haircut. I always thought Jane was bisexual. The haircut. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had bisexual body. She was definitely Short queer. Body. She was definitely queer. Um, yeah. I, sure. I always ad- identified more with Jane than I did with Daria. <laughs> But I used to be able to do the voices from Daria. I don't know if I can do them now. But oh, try it. Daria. <laughs> yeah, Quinn. Yeah. It's so hard raising two girls alone with Jake. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. We're keeping that in. That's great. I, I love used, it. I used to only do the the friend, Quinn's friend, who would always just be like, G yeah, Queen. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Daria. <laughs> yeah, so there was. Good. Yeah. Yeah. My friend and I, we would just like watch Daria and draw the characters. And we're like so into that style of, of drawing. But it felt so gay. And like the other thing that felt gay about it was that everybody thought that Janine Garofalo voiced Daria, which she didn't. <laughs> but Janine Garofalo was also like very gay 90s, yes. even though she's queer, not she's gay. queer adjacent. Yes. Yes. She is. And she gets mistaken for a lesbian like till this day. And it doesn't help that we do things like put her on podcasts called Diking Out and have her perform at our Stonewall show, which is almost she, exclusively like, she's cool. Queer she comics. doesn't care. She's like, lesbians she's have paid so my bills cool. for so many years. Right. <laughs> we worship her. She would have cleaned up i mean oh, she did she has had like same-sex experiences but she's asexual for the most part and uh but yeah janine garofalo in the 90s was just like the gayest thing which Same. is funny because she's not and that's yeah. so much yeah. of the 90s i think, I think because like <laughs> lesbians love subtext we found right. the most subtextual people that were cool with it and it was the first yeah. time people were cool with it like sarah mclaughlin doesn't care if like a bunch of lesbians like were you know thought she was the best thing ever she's like cool rock on let's uh you know <laughs> here's fumbling <laughs> towards ecstasy and you know she still needs to explain herself to me i don't know Sarah Sarah McLaughlin is putting out more gay vibes than anybody than all of the '90s combined. Sarah McLaughlin was putting it out there. Blessed with them, and you know why? How did that happen? I don't know. Did somebody put a curse on her? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a blessing. Um, It is. But wait, hold on. I'm thinking about this because, like, all through college, all I did was imitations of everything. And we need to talk about Chasing Amy because that was 90s. Oh, my God. You must have had an entire episode about Chasing Amy. No, no. we haven't. Ta- have we talked no. about it? Because I wanted to bring this up Not recently really. because HBO is obsessed right now. It's always on. <sighs> I need to watch it because I don't think Cecilia, I don't know if Cecilia has seen it. And I honestly haven't seen it since the early aughts. Oh, God. I revisited it a few years ago. Yeah, it, I, I did too. I did too to see it. I'm like, was is it going to frustrate me as much as it did last yeah. time? And I have always said this about Chasing Amy. I didn't really mind so much that Holden was a guy. I minded that he sucked. Yeah, he sucked he so was hard. She was so great. And he so was cool. the worst. And that's what has always set me on edge about Chasing Amy. But Chasing Amy was one of the things that I would do all the time as an impression. So would you like to hear... Yes. Joey Adams. please. Yes. Damn it, Holden. I'm gay, Holden. Do you know what that means? <laughs> you want me to just turn my whole world upside down because you have a crush? 
Oh my god. Yes, one of the most iconic voices of the 90s. Oh my gosh. Or just that cusp time. Um, that was perfect. I still occasionally get asked by my friends to do that. Ugh, what a gaslighting tool. And I didn't know what gaslighting was until, you know, recently. But sure. man, if I would have known what it was back then, I'd have been like, no, hold on, you're gaslighting Yeah. <laughs> yes, Chasing Amy came out in 1997. We had But I'm a Cheerleader <gasps> come out in 1999. Thank God. Thank God. And, Thank God. And let's go back. Let's not forget about The Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love, which was not only a queer story, but um, written and directed by a queer woman. And it was a happy-ish, and he was hopeful. Like, no one was going to die. It was fun. It had a killer soundtrack by Betty. Like, how much more fun? I love Betty. I love Betty. Betty, um, when I was on working for Olivia, I Betty was on a couple of the trips I was on. And they're just – Of course trip. they they're were. so fun. I saw Betty at um, – at Henrietta Hudson's in did. New York yes. at an L Word trivia night where yes. they just showed up to play the theme yeah. song. Of course I they saw did. them play in Prospect Park um, like two summers ago. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. They are awesome. Um, another movie, Girl Interrupted. I would say that Angelina Jolie was also a very big uh, oh, and Winona Ryder. Yes. Oh, and yeah. Clea Duvall. And Brittany Murphy, I mean, this movie, it was like the 90s just was snowballing. Yes. The gay 90s was snowballing. And it came in a Girl Interrupted, which was the movie I watched before having my first kiss with a woman. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. So it's always going to have a special place in my heart. Coincidentally, I had a sweet mate who would leave chicken carcasses under their bed. Um, I'm not, I'm not joking. Um. It was an issue. <laughs> it was really bad. We were like, it sounds like we it. couldn't figure out what the smell was. And then the RA ended up having to go into the room and there was like all these like just chicken. That's a, that's a real thing. Yeah. I need to revisit Girl Interrupted because honestly, I don't think I've I've seen it since I saw it. And then I had my first kiss and like it, and the whole movie, I was so focused on the fact that I was like, on a waterbed with this other person who I was pretty sure was gay and we were holding hands watching Girl Interrupted and I was like, when is this gonna cross over to something else? But I'm looking, I don't remember Elizabeth Moss was in it. Oh yeah. Also, She uh, played the girl with the burn on the uh, half of her face. Okay. Okay. Now I can see it. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. They were, yeah, it was such a great cast. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Just killer. Every person in that was just fantastic. Um, But there's a movie starring Angelina Jolie that, to me, is such the epitome of the 90s. It's called Foxfire. Oh, okay. Gio's great, too. But no, Foxfire, it mixes, like, the grunge Pacific Northwest world with, like, girl friendships and Jenny Lewis is in it. Uh, Jenny Jenny Shimuzu, I believe is – I hope I'm saying her name right – who was dating Angelina, I believe, at the time. It's got the best soundtrack. It's got, like, L7. It's just, it's amazing. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It just yeah. 
It is my like 90s like dream experience. There's this kind of almost romantic, maybe romantic relationship. Oh, Foxfire. Yes. Uh, one of our listeners just wrote yes. in about this, actually. Um, in our Diking Out Facebook group, one of our listeners uh, told us to watch this movie. Yes. Oh, that's I right. That's right. I still need to. Um, and spoke specifically like because of the soundtrack. They're like, you have it's to. amazing. It's yeah. perfect. It's like such a perfectly curated soundtrack. And it's just, it's just this like story about female friendship and, and love, like first real, real loves and how that doesn't always work out. And oh man, it's so like perfectly 90. Written by Joyce Carol Yes, Oates. it's very different than the Foxfire that that that's, that's that she, based on. Yeah. It's kind of like a very, very loose interpretation, but it's so good. <laughs> I love it. Wow. The only thing I know about it so far. Yeah, I need to watch that. So like music videos, we've talked a little bit about music and musicians, but music videos were such a huge mm -hmm. thing in the 90s in a way that they never will be again. And I mean, even though Melody did get me to watch a music video today being a St. Vincent's <laughs> new song, I remember the music video for uh, The World Is Not Enough, which was um, a James Bond movie that came out at the end of the 90s and Garbage did the song for it. And Shirley Manson makes out with a robot version of herself. Another and that was queer like adjacent an person. Yes. <laughs> Very. Very. Uh, and uh, that was like enough for me to just like I, any chance that I, I just would watch MTV all the time, hoping that video would come on so I could watch Shirley Manson make out with the robot uh, of herself because that was so hot for me. I Yeah, I also had like a huge crush and still do on Shirley Manson. I'd like to thank Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone. I was just going to bring that for, one up. Uh, yeah. Um, an important part Aerosmith? of my <laughs> oh yeah I guess I should thank Aerosmith but to me right. there was so much like wow. queerness like charged in those relationships in those videos yes you know yes they're just epic that, everything yeah. was so heightened and gay Liv Tyler she just did it for everybody she I really think. does and she still does Empire Records was that '90s or did was that two? Oh yeah, 2000. we were just talking about this. <laughs> yeah, Empire Records was so '90s and so gay, and definitely felt like yeah, anything like that felt queer. And I mean, oh, the craft. Oh god, oh, we yes. didn't talk about the craft. I mean, I talk about the craft all the time. We do and talk about it a lot. How does the craft only have fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes? That is insane. Um, uh, because it's about women. <sighs> yeah. There you but go. Yeah, the most gay, not gay movie. Like, how was that? How was no one in that craft outwardly homosexual? Because, right, you know? No, but uh, Empire Records, I thought of the craft because of um, Robin Tooney. Yes. Is that how you say her name? The actress? Yeah. Robin Tooney, her character in Empire Records when she, like, shaves her head. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, my Ooh, mind. Moments. Like, Drastic hair it. changes in the 90s. Let's Lesbians. talk about Mulan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Very long taking a sword and chopping her hair off. Lesbian icon of the gay 90s. 90s for sure. We can't talk about the gay 90s without talking about showgirls. <gasps> yeah. Well, well uh, let's go back to when Carolyn was a teenager and a babysitter uh, at this house that had like an illegal cable box that got the movie channels. And when the kid would go to bed, I would watch the movies I wasn't supposed to, including 
Showgirls. Okay, yeah, what was your – okay, talk to me about your experience watching Showgirls. I mean, I was, like, very paranoid and, like, had it at, like, the super lowest volume and was, like, waiting for the parents to come home so I could, like, turn it off immediately uh, so they would never know about it. But I was somebody who always felt that Jesse Spano was a lesbian, so this was just, like, <laughs> continuing that narrative. All I remember was Showgirls was, like, NC-17, and that was made to be a huge deal, that it was Jesse Spano. I know this movie like the back of my hand. Um, I am so impressed, and I can't wait for you to remind me of it. I can't believe we just didn't have an entire episode on Showgirls, because I could talk about it for hours. I saw it in the theater by myself. (laughs) (laughs) There was, like, me and another guy in, like, a matinee show, because I couldn't get into the first I went with some friends who older friends and they totally ditched me because I couldn't get in. I was they're trying to sneak me in, but uh, I managed to get in by myself. And um uh formative doesn't even begin to describe. Not just like like as a queer person, but like as an appreciator of camp and just <laughs> just like outrageous entertainment. I was spellbound. Spellbound. <laughs> Um, but to me, uh, Gina Gershon, lifelong yeah. fan of Gina Gershon after seeing her in Showgirls. And then she went on to do Bound. Bound, yeah. So she played these two like massively queer like characters in my uh, development as a queer person. Um, so uh, to me, like, thank God for Showgirls because it, it gave us Gina Gershon. <laughs> there, it was full frontal nudity. That's why I got the NC-17. Yeah, yeah. And if you've ever seen it on, like, another channel, like a regular basic cha- channel, and they just edit the hell out of it, they yeah. they Photoshop or, like, CGI bikini tops and bottoms. <laughs> well, now I want to see that version, too, just for fun. I know it's sad to say, but it was the first time I saw, like, a lesbian interaction moment that wasn't just dripping with shame. You know, it was like nobody cared that Crystal liked men and women. Nobody cared. And nobody yeah. nobody, did, nobody just did whatever way the wind blew. And, yeah. you know, they hated each other. They were obsessed with each other. It was like really interesting because God knows I haven't had that experience in my life as a young queer person, loathing <laughs> the person I'm absolutely 100% yeah. in love with. Oh, um, <laughs> but to me, it was like, oh, like Crystal doesn't feel weird about this. Like this is just who she is. If you can get your hands on the David Schmader voiceover version, um, he used to host these showgirls viewing parties in Seattle, and he is—he loves showgirls. He's and he's this amazing um, writer guy, and he would just—he just talks over the movie, and it's just <laughs> amazingly hilarious. And just like you see the tenderness and love he has for it, but also he's not afraid to make fun of it. It's so great. So if you can find that version. I am going to watch this this weekend. I'm just like looking. So it's like, it, man, I really need to rewatch it because I'm not like remembering it in a camp context. So it's like on that level of like Rocky Horror. So they thought, okay, so <laughs> they thought they were making like the new millennial uh, millennium uh, movie musical golden age. Like they thought this was a hundred percent serious, which is why yes. Elizabeth Berkeley's performance is so made 
just like torn apart because the earnestness in which she plays yeah. Noem alone is painful. Yes. Because that's the way she's being directed to portray this role. Now, Gina yeah. Gershon, she's older. She's more experienced. She knows what the hell is going on. She knows what <laughs> kind of a mess of a movie she is in. So she is just eating that up. And it just, you feel it in every line. Um, she knows that she's in that movie. Um, the rest of the cast, not so much. Um, so what they had intended for Showgirls to be and what it actually turned out to be were very, very different things. Mm. I can't wait. The the boys that we had crushes on River Phoenix, gentle yes. gentle boys, Devin Sawa, the prettiest um, boys, just yes. a decade. Mark Paul Gosselaar, boys. Melody posted. So we had a thread about this um, actually in our Facebook patron group, and Melody found the best picture of Ryder Strong. <gasps> Ryder Strong. Um, I Which was I have to in mention, love with Ryder Strong. My drag name is uh, Ryder Stronger. The <laughs> couple times that I've done <laughs> drag, uh, and yeah, Melody found like this incredible picture of Ryder Strong where it to show it's right just now. a full lesbian talk show host attire. I'm oh. surprised it's an actual picture of him and not somebody swapping <laughs> heads with Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> It is insane. He's wearing like a linen, a full linen getup. Oh, I love it. Like it's like linen, linen with hot uh, in the like mid nineties. Oh my oh, gosh! Yes. How Ellen is this? You had to. They had to have the the the, the heart in their bangs, basically. Yes. Like it was right, parted right, in the right. middle, and it was smoldering lesbian oh, yeah. look. Suspenders, suspenders, yeah, and linen pants, linen. I shirt. would wear that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, These that's lesbian like, what, every like a red Gen lit. Z yeah. lesbian in Brooklyn. Yep. yep. Get me some like, like right gold uh, round glasses. Right. Oh, right. Red right, lip. Right. We're good to go. Yes. yes. Uh, we were also talking about on our stereo show just before this how uh, a lot of us. When you had the crushes on the the boy band members, or you had to say because with your friends, it's all you talked about is like, oh, which one's your favorite? I always felt like queer girls would pick the less obvious choice, but not the worst one, right? Yes, and they always ended up turning out to be gay. So like, yes, yes. It was Jonathan, <laughs> Lance Bass, yes. So Carolyn thinks that lesbians would go for those more removed ones that end mm -hmm. up being gay, and I think bisexuals went for the second best like I yeah. and a lot of bisexuals I know really loved JC and NSYNC and JC. loved yeah. Brian from the Backstreet yeah. Boys mm -hmm. yeah. I very much think there's something to that Brian's a short king <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even talk about AOL I didn't have that until I was we I kind of grew up in a little bit of a I was a little poor um, my parents, they were, they spent a lot of money on my education. Like that's where they put the focus. So I didn't really have that stuff yet. Um, I would um, get the AOL CD-ROMs in the mail for mm -hmm. a free, free trials. We didn't have a, a computer. 20 hours of the internet, you know? <laughs> I had to go to my brother's house to use his computer and printer. We didn't have a printer. Or we didn't have a computer. So I was not, we were not in that, you know, life yet. Yeah, my my first AOL experience I remember actually being at my grandparents' house because my my grandfather was like very on the forefront in terms of like technology and he had this old like Apple computer mm. and and I tried like 
I was like in chat rooms with the door closed at my grandparents' house. <laughs> Just being like, what is this? But AOL and like the the internet. And then and I was saying like, I can't remember because um, the early internet, everything was like a directory. And I don't know when like gay stuff was added to the directory. So like in that time before Google, the only way to find things was by like narrowing down like society and culture right. and like... <laughs> But we found we, we found a way to find each other. You would find something yeah. that was gay. We yeah. find the right GeoCities page. At yeah, I was going to say it was really just finding the the Buffy GeoCities page, and that's where the gay internet was. Your angel GeoCities, your, your gay angel fire site. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Saying uh, live journal. We're getting into the odds. <laughs> Yeah. So the 90s, I guess it just felt like it was very gay, but then it was also this time of like bad gay politics and sad things like, you know, we're coming off AIDS. We're getting into Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Mm -hmm. uh, even though Hillary's obviously a lesbian. And uh, and then we like cap it off with Matthew Shepard. And it was just like just so much trauma for gays while gay culture is starting to be like celebrated and going mainstream and getting popular and people want to be like a part of it and are like oh gay people are fun I want gay friends uh we like this gay musician and it was a complicated time but it was an exciting time because you knew that you were on the forefront of something yeah. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the forefront because our four parents came long before us, but it was a time where culture and queerness collided in a way that it hadn't before. Right, right, right. There was a gay bar in Detroit called Stilettos. It was a le- sorry, it was a lesbian bar when like lesbian bars and gay bars were very, very much like separate. It's called Stilettos. Yeah. Oh man, that was just so cool to go and be like this tiny little baby gay at Stilettos. And I was, you know, I wasn't 21 yet. I couldn't drink. So I had like big X's on my hands, but you could go if you were 18 and I'd just be like, oh my God. And I got to go with my girlfriend once and it was just like the power. You were drunk with power the first time you got to go because... It was like you were experiencing yourself like fully in a place surrounded by people experiencing themselves fully. It was so cool. So RIP stilettos, you you were you yeah. made an impression on me. What is the dyke significance of Michigan in that like I think it was in the 70s and 80s? Like I've heard Leah Delaria talk about how a certain time of year, thousands of lesbians would descend upon Michigan oh, and Michi- go like You don't know about Michigan Women's Festival? Oh, is that it? Yes. I just remember an out of context, like she, Mm -hmm. okay, I I didn't realize she was talking about that. Okay. Yes. I went there (laughs) twice in the 90s before, before I knew about the exclusionary practices, things like that. I was so young. I didn't, it didn't like. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was so tunnel vision at the time. I was just excited because I got to see like the murmurs and Indigo Girls. But yeah, I got, I went twice in the 90s and it was a pretty interesting experience. See, I want that. I guess we have like Dinah Shore, like just like, you know, these like pilgrimages. Go on an Olivia trip. Yeah. Um, I would recommend yeah. a resort for you since you are of the millennial variety. Um, <laughs> but they're just so much fun. I'm, I'm, and like I don't work for Olivia anymore, so I'm not getting paid to say this or anything. But if anyone's listening, um, you can't even imagine what travel 
companies have experienced in this last year. And the fact right, that Olivia right, right. will hopefully will still be here in 2022. Um, if you get a chance, it is expensive, but it's, it is an experience unlike anything else. So, um, and I went yeah. as an employee, so I certainly had like my job to do, but it's, um, it was, it was a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. My wife that. and I have talked about it. Definitely. It's like on the list of vacations we we want to take. Dana, thank you so much for decking out about all this 90s stuff. There's definitely things we need to revisit. Uh, I know that this weekend I'm going to try to fit in both Showgirls and Revisit Girl Interrupted. And Foxfire, that is my number one. You yes, will love yes. it. I don't want to hear about Those it. Those are <laughs> On the list, uh, we can relive the the glorious 90s and tell our listeners, one, where they can find you on social media and plug some exciting stuff that you have going on. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, you can find me at Dana Pickley, that's two C's, one L, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I am also the editor-in-chief of Queer Media Matters, so head over there and um, find us on Twitter as well. Uh, oh, so... Uh, friend, probably friend of the pod, Les Hangout. Um, the the ladies behind Les Hangout have yes. written a musical, a lesbian musical, and guess who's the in flame. it? Moi. Oh, you're yeah. in. I am. I'm a very small part. I'm a guestbian, but I do get to <laughs> use my musical theater chops for a little bit, and I get to belt, and I belt the super high note at the end of the the song, The Flame. Um, fun. so that was a lot of fun to do. I wrote a book. Uh, two years ago, two years ago now. So it's called Savor the Moment, and it is a queer romance published by Bella Books. And you can find it on bellabooks.com. You can find it on Amazon. Pretty much anywhere you buy books, you can get it. And there's also an audiobook, which is cool because not everybody gets to have an audiobook version of, of their book done. But I guess it was the book sold well enough that uh, they did it. And I, I love the voice actress, uh, Lori Prince, who did it. She's terrific. I also know how hard it is to find a good queer romance, so I'm so excited. Thank you. To dive in. I want to read it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate Amazing. it. Amazing. Dana, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Dana. Melody, that convo was da bomb. Carolyn, I agree. And if anyone disagrees, you can go eat my shorts. <laughs> Let's get to the listener question. That was 90s, right? All right. Booyah. Let's do it. Um, so this week's listener question is, what's the favorite thing about your partners? Oh, that's actually a really hard one because there are so many things. Yeah. Where do you even start? I will have to say, because this is honestly what's helping us get through the pandemic, the stress of the house stuff. It's that I can talk to Cecilia about anything. It's her communication and the way that we're able to talk to each other. It's just like, I love that. I guess that's my favorite thing about her, like as a partner is just right. like the amazing level of communication that we have. And I know we can talk through Everything and anything, which is huge, huge, huge. But I also, I love how creative and talented she is. I love her her art. And, and I really, really admire how 
as I mentioned before, that she uh, doesn't care what anybody else thinks. And it's a very admirable quality that I don't have. And that sometimes it gives me anxiety because she'll like (laughs) do or say things. And I'm like, Oh oh my God. Like, yeah. But I, and then I have to be like, no, it's great. It's great that she's doing this and she doesn't care if she looks silly or whatever. And it's bringing her joy. And I, I applaud that. I think it's a beautiful thing and that not enough people are like that. And she's just a incredible, unique person. I'll stop because I could keep (laughs) going. I could keep going about my favorite things about, Cecilia also love kissing her, man. I know. I was like, can she say something physical so I don't feel like a pervert? Because I love my girlfriend's ass. And (laughs) (laughs) lots of things on the inside of that girl, too. You know, I um, we have very similar dynamics with like we're very similar and our partners are very similar. So I related to a lot of what you were saying, especially the like doing whatever you want and not caring what people think like that. I struggle with and I really need a partner who is goofier and sillier to bring that out of me. Yep. Um, Allie and I, um, on paper, not compatible, but like more like complimentary, like yin to the yang. I've never been with someone who is so different than me, but I think it's a good thing. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. We just like, I knew Allie as a comic in the Chicago comedy scene for years before we started dating. So I was always like, oh my God, she's so funny. Like, she's so cool. And I was like, honestly, a little intimidated. But now that we're dating, I'm like, oh, you're so funny in a completely different way that you don't even like, people don't see on stage. Like you're, she is goofy. It's so silly. Like I've, we laugh so much. It's (laughs) like, I would have never fathomed, like I could date. So it just, it's, I know you don't like to call your partner, your best friend. That's where we differ. She is my best friend. And I don't know. We just laugh so much. And the communication is there, especially after some big fights where we had to sort out because we are so different. We need to recognize that and know that our communication skills um, differ and we need to find some common ground. And I'm really proud of the work we've done over the last few years. Like when we get in a fight, it's, you know, resolved by the end of the day in a healthy way. Yeah. I also love Cecilia's butt. Don't get me wrong. Uh, (laughs) I was just about to be like, should we say our favorite things about each other's partners? But then you just made it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, I love Cecilia's butt no, um, yeah when I when I used to work with Cecilia it took like a lot of effort on my part to just not stare at her butt because the way that our desks were positioned she had like a standing desk that was like <laughs> one row over from mine so I just had to like look up from my computer and then I could see her butt looking amazing and I just didn't want to like be a creep or have anybody catch me just staring at her butt. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a good one. Allie already had a butt. It like runs in her family. And for some reason, the men in her family have enormous butts. It's hilarious. Like we have a lot of gay guys as friends. And if they ever meet her brother, Brent, like they're in love. Like they, the men in her family have the most bulbous butts. But then like she had one in Chicago. But when she moved to New York, it got out of control because she drove in Chicago. And it's like suddenly she was going up subway stairs. Yes. So she like, I already was like, wow, my girlfriend has a nice butt. And I can't wait till we're not long distance. And I can just touch this butt all the time. And then I moved here and I was like, what? 
Lola's butt has tripled in size. What happened? <laughs> she just simply started going up a flight of stairs once in a while for the subway. That'll do it. That'll do it. Yes. New York City, good for the glutes. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have questions for us, please send them. You know, somebody just told us that their favorite part of the episode is the listener questions. We need more from you. They said, why don't you do a whole episode of listener questions? Well, we would need more questions to make that happen. So send them in, dykingout at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can follow the podcast on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Dyking Out, on TikTok, at Dyking Out Podcast, if I could ever get up the nerve. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.